When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone and welcome into wake and take it's your boy jason and we have some football to talk about today we had two football games yesterday so we'll quickly go over those and then we'll break down some of the latest news as such jason kelsey has retired caleb williams is officially entering the nfl draft and bill belichick is hopping on some yachts to interview with the atlanta falcons all that and more coming up on wake and take so take out your coffee Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, guys. Welcome in. Welcome in. Welcome in. Glad to see you all this morning on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. Welcome into the chat. We've got some football to talk about. And we'll start with yesterday's playoff games. We had two games, Steelers-Bills. Eagles Buccaneers, and they went about as expected towards the consensus. At least uh, the Bills co- end up covering their 10 point spread against the Steelers, winning 31 to 17 in the cold weather. Steelers just can't get it done, really, due to turnovers. Mason Rudolph has an interception. George Pickens loses a fumble, and ultimately those 14 points, those two those two scores that could have come off of those, is the difference in this game. Josh Allen goes off with three passing touchdowns, has a really nice rushing touchdown as well. And Dalton Kincaid was the leading receiver for the Bills, which was really great to see. You love, 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 love to see rookies showing up on the big stage. That can only mean so much going forward. And I think that that is a great way for Dalton Kincaid to begin his playoff career. And hopefully he can continue this strong performance throughout the playoffs against the Chiefs next week. On the Steelers' side of the ball, really not much to talk about here. Besides the fact Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, that's still going to be an issue going into next season. They uh, Najee Harris had more opportunity, but they both finished with about the same amount of yards, 38 for Warren, 37 for Najee Harris. Uh, and then George Pickens, he had some really good catches, but ultimately not enough, five receptions for 50 yards. That's something he's going to have to build upon next season as well. It is looking like these Steelers will be replacing or finding a new quarterback in 2024. That can only mean good things for the pass catchers. And, you know, while Mason Rudolph has kind of been the one to unlock George Pickens, and really this whole offense as a whole, they've looked a lot better with him. They can certainly look even better with a truly good quarterback at the helm. And Mason Rudolph probably down to back up again. And Kenny Pickett probably out, 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 down to QB3 even uh, if things go that way. So good game by the Bills. Moving on, playing the Chiefs. Fun fact about that one, that will actually be the very first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that it will be an away playoff game. Patrick Mahomes always, throughout his career, when playing in a playoff game, has either been at Arrowhead or the neutral site Super Bowl. He's always had a home game. Just goes to show how great of a career Patrick Mahomes has had. Uh, But then also how this really can be the Buffalo's 
Buffalo Bills year. They've struggled tremendously against the Chiefs in the playoffs the last few seasons. This year, finally in Buffalo. Hopefully, they can do it. Anthony asks, what QB for the Steelers? Russell Wilson, that's definitely a candidate. Uh, and I think they could still maybe go back to the well in the draft, uh, as well as some other potential free agents. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're even in like the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes, if I'm going to be honest with you here. They need someone. They definitely need someone. The next game that happened was the Eagles-Buccaneers. And I'm sorry, guys. I really did think that Jalen Hurts would show up for this game. But uh, Bosa was right. Bosa was right. After they played the 49ers, uh, he came out, he had an interview after the game and was literally like, we figured out the Eagles. We've given the blueprint. I hope everyone else watches film. Since that game, they've got one and six and have absolutely been squandered. In this game, the Eagles even failed to convert one of their tush pushes going for two. I mean, that is just, you don't see that. The Eagles convert that play nine times out of 10, and they didn't even get it done in this game. Just really a bad game on all fronts from the Eagles. Jalen Hurts tried his best with his middle finger, but what was weird to me is he didn't even run the ball. He had one carry in this game. Jalen Hurts had one carry in this game, a playoff game. Winner go home. How do you not find a way to put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands beyond just throwing the ball? 35 pass attempts for Jalen Hurts is one of the most he's done all season, and yet one carry? One carry on a guy who has a broken middle finger? I have no idea what the game plan was going into this. I understand that they have really, really good defensive tackle in Vita Vea, but still, Jalen Hurts should get carries. And especially DeAndre Swift, only 10. They ran the ball 15 times in this game. And I understand, it's game script. You're playing behind most of the game here. But Jalen Hurts should never, ever, 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 ever only have one carry especially in a playoff game. Absolutely ridiculous that that was the case. And yes, I understand that a lot of this is that, that the Buccaneers were playing a good contain. They did not want Jalen Hurts to get outside and scramble. They did not want Jalen Hurts to get through the guards and scramble. But I don't care. Do some designed runs. Do some QB draws. I don't care. I don't care. I don't, I don't do more than just give the ball one time to Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But his stat line should not ever, ever, ever again be 250 passing yards, one passing touchdown, and one carry for five yards. One carry for five yards for Jalen Hurts, the guy who leads the NFL in rushing as a quarterback, or is at least up there. Don't have the stats in front of me, but you know what I mean. Ridiculous, ridiculous game plan from the Eagles. And ultimately, I mean, that's going to be why they lose because, I mean, you look around and Devontae Smith, 150 receiving yards. I mean, he showed up. He showed up in this game big time, got that one, their only touchdown in the second quarter, uh, able to almost pull off a comeback if they were able to build upon that, but they did it probably because they completely abandoned what makes the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's leaning on Jalen Hurts. So terrible game plan by them. They lose for good reason. How much of it is Matt Patricia? We're just going to say all of it, guys. Everyone here on Wake and Take, it's Matt Patricia's fault. The Eagles lose because of Matt Patricia. The guy sucks. I don't know how he ended up in the defensive coordinator position. But I can't put all the blame on the Eagles ruining the game by taking the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands. Yes, that's a big part of why the Eagles don't get anything going. But as mentioned a few weeks ago, the Buccaneers, they're a true playoff team. They're genuinely a really good team. And while I thought the Eagles would actually show up for this game, I did also expect the Buccaneers to show up. And that they did. I was just completely wrong about the Eagles, completely wrong about Jalen Hurts. I have to eat crow there. But I've also got to turn around and just give my applause to the Buccaneers. And to another degree, Baker Mayfield, who has just completely turned it around, played on three 
different NFL teams last year and then finds himself on the Buccaneers, leads them to win the NFC South, leads them to now a playoff victory, and actually becomes the first Buccaneer in Buccaneers history to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in a playoff game. So just a round of applause to Baker Mayfield. And to make it even better, guys, to make it even better, Baker Mayfield now has more career playoff wins than Deshaun Watson. This was his second playoff win. Deshaun Watson only has one. Also, Baker Mayfield, since the year 2000, has two playoff wins. The Cleveland Browns, one. The Browns got rid of Baker Mayfield, the guy who has won the only Browns uh, playoff game in this millennia. And now Baker Mayfield with the Buccaneers has won his second playoff game, more than the Browns even in the last 20-odd years. So Baker Mayfield really proving the haters wrong and playing really well. 337 yards, three touchdowns. K-Dotton had 89. David Moore had 66 and a touchdown. Trey Palmer had 56 and a touchdown. Chris Godwin scored a touchdown again. And Mike Evans only had 48 yards. I mean, hey, great game by the Buccaneers. Really good football team. And I've just got to eat crow again on the fact that I was so into the Falcons this year. The Buccaneers are doing exactly what the, I expected the Falcons to do. I really did think whatever NFC South team that came out of the division would be dangerous in the playoffs. I know all year we've talked about how weak the NFC South is, but when it comes to the playoffs, teams just play well. They really do. And the NFC South had some really good teams in terms of competitiveness. And I thought that it would be the Falcons doing this. Ultimately, it ends up being the Buccaneers. And perhaps I should have seen it coming. I mean, we even did a whole video this offseason about how the Buccaneers were going to be one of the best offenses to find value in fantasy football literally talked about how undervalued Mike Evans and Rashad White were. And still, I believed the Falcons would win the South. Completely wrong, guys. Completely wrong here. But hey, thanks for tuning in and still uh, and still engaging with this show, even though that was wrong. And just again, final round of applause to the Buccaneers as they, as they deserve it. They really do. 32-6 to six against the former NFC champs. I mean, what a victory for them. Really, really great game. And before we move on from some just wild card weekend notes, uh, we've already piled onto the Cowboys a lot in yesterday's episode. If you'd like to see how terrible the Cowboys loss was, go tune into yesterday's episode on the uh, Player Profiler YouTube page. Go press the subscribe button and then go to the live video section. You can find Dallas Cowboys suck. Uh, but the Cowboys, only home team to lose this weekend. And I believe it's been like 16 straight for the number two seed uh, beating that number seven seed or number six seed, whatever it used to be in the playoffs, the number two seed has done really well historically, especially the last few playoffs. The Cowboys, only ones to lose recently. Uh, just honestly, terrible collapse by the Cowboys at the end of the season. Got to pile onto them at least one more time. So that was the roundup of the wildcard round of yesterday's football game. Let's go ahead and get into the news. And we have to start, of course, with the biggest story of this morning. Jason Kelsey is retiring upon the collapse of the Philadelphia Eagles. I've got to play... The round of applause sound effect. You know, some players get just some claps, right? And some get the actual sound effect. And this time, Jason Kelsey gets the applause sound effect. What a career for him. Finishes on the Eagles with 193 games played. He finishes as a Super Bowl champ, a six-time first-team All-Pro, a seven-time Pro Bowler. I mean, what do you want from a guy? Great, 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 great career. Meant a lot to the organization as well. I'll never forget his Super Bowl parade speech wearing the weird Mardi Gras outfit. Uh, meant a lot to the franchise. And he did all of that 
as a sixth-round pick. So one of the greatest centers to ever do it. Going to be missed on the Philadelphia Eagles for sure, as he's a huge part of how that tush-push even becomes successful. But it is definitely time for him to hang it up uh, with how long he's played. I mean, he's 36, going to be 37 next year. Not much more to accomplish for him, and it's only going to get harder to continue to play. So just a round of applause one more time. For a very, very impressive career for Jason Kelsey. Wish him all the best. I imagine he'll do some broadcasting or something or bring new heights to the next level. Whatever it is, definitely going to succeed in his next opportunity. Next news item we have for you guys is just some college uh, or NFL draft declarations. The, a couple of these happened yesterday, a couple of these happened Sunday, but really just wanted a wild card episode yesterday. So first off, we'll start with the Michigan players. Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy have declared. Not sure my feelings on it. I mean, of course, Blake Corum's going to go. I mean, he was a senior. I believe with COVID, he maybe had some more eligibility, but I think it was pretty much a foregone conclusion anyway. But with J.J. McCarthy, I'm a little confused by the decision. He was, of course, still had at least one more year of eligibility and never really played that well. I mean, he was a game manager, which will certainly translate to the next level. And I certainly do think that if J.J. McCarthy gets drafted to a team where it's like a positive situation. Can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but they always uh, end up showing themselves by the time the year comes around. I mean, I could certainly see like J.J. McCarthy doing like an Aiden O'Connell type thing where he ends up on a team, drafted middle uh, middle rounds or whatever, and then ends up in a starting opportunity and does all right. I don't think J.J. McCarthy's ever going to be a game breaker or anything, but certainly he knows how to run an offense. I mean, he called timeouts, he called audibles, they, they did the no huddle. I mean, not many college quarterbacks can do what he did. And while his stats didn't pop off the page, it's just because he was never asked to do a lot. I mean, this was a run-heavy offense, a very just methodical offense in general. And so the stats are never going to pop off the page for a quarterback like that. He does possess a lot of intangibles. I mean, he just won the national championship. So certainly if he lands somewhere good, I think that J.J. McCarthy could be something. I just don't necessarily think he'll ever be something special. And someone that could be something special is Caleb Williams, who also officially declared for the draft. I'm going to be honest here. I'm not crazy hyped about Caleb Williams. I know that it's basically been a foregone conclusion since he won the Heisman a couple seasons ago that he would be the 101 in super flex drafts when he comes out. But, I mean, I'm not so sure. I want to see landing spot, and I want to see a lot more as well. I mean, I, I, I just there was a lot to desire from Caleb Williams that we missed. I mean, since he won the Heisman, he's taken a step back, and he's had a harder time producing. And certainly, if you go look at his stats against good defenses in college, which there's not a lot of them, and in the Pac-12, he doesn't play against a lot of them. But when he has, he hasn't performed that well. So I don't think Caleb Williams is this, like, locked-in, gonna-be-a-really-good-prospect a guy. I think it's true. I think he will be a good prospect, but I don't think he's a can't miss. I really don't. I want to see a lot more for him before I get too excited about it. I know that's a bit hot takey, but I really do think it's reasonable. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks fail at the next level, especially once. I mean, like if Caleb Williams had, you know, repeated his Heisman with another Heisman and just kept playing at a high level, I could see where we would be like, oh, this guy's generational. But I mean, since he won the Heisman, he's only taken steps back. And he hasn't improved too much. And so I'm a little concerned about Caleb Williams for sure, but still understand that he's a top prospect and he'll probably end up hitting. I just think that it's a little too soon to call him a can't miss, but we'll see. So that is the NFL draft declarations. We will now move on 
to some head coaching updates. And we'll start with Mr. Harbaugh. I wanted to say, or I have said a lot of times on the show, that we're not entertaining Jim Harbaugh rumors. It's a lot of speculation. It happens every year. Jim Harbaugh does the dance, and then he ultimately just returns back to the college level because he likes coaching for Michigan. But they have this whole contract negotiation going on in Michigan. And then also, J.J. McCarthy leaving kind of makes me believe that Jim Harbaugh is leaving as well. I'm not going to lie. I think that if Jim Harbaugh was coming back, J.J. McCarthy would have come back. They have a great connection together. They work well together. And I think that J.J. McCarthy would have had enough confidence to return one more year because he felt like he would be able to repeat, given that everything would stay the same. But I think with him leaving, it kind of suggests to me that the Michigan players know what's going to happen here. And that's that Jim Harbaugh is probably going to the NFL. He did interview with the Chargers yesterday. They announced it on their social media. uh, And he is still the favorite to be the head coach of the Chargers. Now, this is something that we've seen before. Pete Carroll at USC was facing sanctions from the NCAA and ended up leaving, going to the NFL so he didn't really have to face the punishment. This is probably going to be exactly what happens here in Michigan, if I've got to be honest here. I really don't think he should. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I'm one who believes in legacies, who believes in legendary status, who believes in dynasties. And I think Jim Harbaugh has a chance to accomplish that at Michigan. He has a chance to rival Bo Schembechler as an all-time coach here. He can keep building on the foundation that he's started here at Michigan. He's put in so much work recruiting players, bringing in coordinators, fixing the offense, fixing the defense, fixing the the whole, I mean, franchise. It's not a franchise, college. And he's just leaving it all behind. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but the writing is certainly starting to be on the wall that that is the case. And so at the very least, we're going to start entertaining and reporting it here on Wake and Take. As much as I disagree with the decision, a lot of it is trending in that direction. And I don't hate the Chargers move. I mean, if you're going to leave a really cushy position at the college level, you might as well leave it for a generational quarterback at the NFL level. I mean, working with Justin Herbert has to be special, right? And so that is what he wants to attach himself to if that is the case. I can't imagine he goes anywhere else. Like, I don't think Jim Harbaugh would leave Michigan for a bad job or even just a mediocre job. And while the Chargers is probably a mediocre job, I think that there's a lot of holes on the team. It's certainly an attractive position just because of Justin Herbert. And I'm sure Jim Harbaugh knows the talent and and can do enough to kind of replace Keenan Allen, start to replace or start to replace Keenan Allen, replace Austin Eckler, start to fill in the holes in the wide receiver room. Uh, and, you know, maybe he'll just bring in Roman Wilson and Blake Corum from Michigan or something to, to fill those holes. But either way, that's what it's trending towards right now. Jim Harbaugh to Los Angeles as the next Chargers head coach. And while I hate it for him moving to or moving from Michigan, I don't hate it in terms of it being a good head coaching position for him and probably the team Chargers as a whole. The next one I definitely disagree with a little bit more is Bill Belichick. Uh, it has been reported that he has interviewed with the Falcons face-to-face. He went out to Arthur Blank's yacht and met with him, had this interview, and there has been a report of mutual interest for a couple weeks now. I mean, Bill Belichick has been the favorite to be the new Falcons head coach for a couple weeks now, really since the position has been speculated as open. Uh, and I hate it. I really do. I don't think this is a good move for Bill Belichick. I do still think that Bill Belichick is a good coach. But the issue here is the Falcons defense actually looked pretty good. Ryan Nielsen was doing a pretty damn good job as the defensive coordinator. 
And I don't think Bill Belichick brings enough to the table for what the Falcons need. Yes, they need a little bit of a culture change, but I don't like, I don't think it's that bad. I really just think any head coach can come in and do that. But the defense is already good. And the issue here is the offense and especially the quarterback. And Bill Belichick has historically not been good with quarterbacks. That was all Tom Brady. We've all already agreed on that. It was Tom Brady that was the good quarterback. It wasn't Bill Belichick or Josh McDaniels or Bill O'Brien or anyone whispering in Tom Brady's ear. He was just a hard worker and a good quarterback. And so Bill Belichick going to the Falcons isn't going to fix anything at all. If anything, I think it might set the franchise back even more. I know Terry Fontenot is a great general manager and that'll help. But I don't know what Bill Belichick brings to the table to actually help the Falcons. The Falcons need an offensive coordinator or just a a locker room, like high energy guy, like another Dan Campbell, just somebody to go in and hype up the team to get them excited to play again. And especially they need to bring in a quarterback. Bill Belichick is not the right move here. I hate it for the team. And I really think that would only set the Falcons back even more. It would make Kyle Pitts less attractive. Drake London less attractive. It might make Bijan Robinson more attractive as he loves his running backs. But even then, we've seen a cycle. So that means we would probably still see Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson more than we'd like to. And oh yeah, Bill Belichick likes Cordero Patterson. He was the first one to allow Cordero to be a running back on the Patriots years back. He was the one who unlocked that skill set for Cordero. So yeah, he'd re-sign him. Sure, he'd want him back on the team. So lots of concerns to me if Bill Belichick ends up as the Falcons head coach. I really hope, really, really hope it doesn't happen. Bill Belichick, to me, needs to go to a team that can actually win now and has some issues. The Eagles, the Cowboys, or I really still like the Panthers, as we talked about last week. That is a team that, while Bill Belichick might not be able to go there and win right away, he can certainly start setting them in the right direction. And while he's not a quarterback whisperer, I still think he can impart a ton of wisdom onto Bryce Young, and he can also get that defense playing at a high level again. So those are kind of the three teams I don't hate for him. The Falcons, I hate. I really do hate that landing spot for Bill Belichick. But that should do it for the news, guys. Looks like we have a few questions, so I'll check into that. Um, Let's see. Harbaugh will leave for the NFL now. Big Ten path will be a lot tougher now. This is true. This is true. I really do think he's doing that. And yeah, the Big Ten is getting a bit more crowded. I still think it's a stupid move, but it's trending in that direction. Uh, Chase says Bill to the Cowboys. Yeah, I really do like that one. I do like that one. Pitts and Johnu might be more attractive, maybe. But I mean, we saw Johnu Smith in New England with Bill Belichick, and he didn't use him really at all. So I can't get that excited at really either at, at all. Um, it just uh, Chase says Bill to the Cowboys just makes sense. It's like Brady to the Bucks. Have all the pieces. Just need the guy to get them over the top. I agree. I like the Cowboys. I like the Eagles. Either one of the cursed NFC East teams, or just someone who is in complete disarray like the Panthers, give him a couple seasons just to see what he could do. Um, Let me check Instagram real quick. Who goes first overall in a 10-team dynasty, two QB super flex, immediate wide receiver, and more so quarterback? Uh, I mean, it's probably going to be Josh Allen that goes number one if it's a startup, uh, or it's just going to be Caleb Williams if it's a rookie draft. Either way, it's going to be a quarterback there. So, I mean, whether it's Jalen Hurts, CJ Stroud, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, those are probably going to be like the first few picks in your super flex quarterback draft. Uh, And then if it's rookies, it's going to be like Drake May, Caleb Williams, maybe Penix or Bo Nix or any of the other quarterbacks, really depending on how their draft capital goes. But either way, 
going to be a quarterback for you, Pete Sayers. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another fun episode of The Wake and Take, and you guys were a great audience yet again. I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow as we break down more news. 10 a.m. Eastern on the Player Profiler YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Before you head out, don't forget to like this video and subscribe to Player Profiler. You guys have a terrific Tuesday and a wonderful rest of your week. Peace.